0: We didn't come this far to, to stop playing now, no matter what the odds are, the analytics. When we get out there, we just got to compete. We got to win one, and then we got to win another, and then uh, we got to win another.
1: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Hey,
2: was Jimmy Butler following Game 4? Sounded like a very dejected Jimmy Butler following Game 4, but he still has confidence. At least that's what he says that they could win a game and then another game and then another game. That's what they're going to have to do as their backs are against the wall. The Denver Nuggets lead the series three games to one right now. And as we kick off our number three of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Getting ready to bring in our good friend Mo Dekeel as he'll talk all things NBA Finals. He does podcasts for the Athletic NBA, also the host of One Mo Thing. And as I mentioned, Ari is efforting him right now. We should get him on to talk all things NBA Finals, game number five. And I just want to know exactly what the Miami Heat need to do to have themselves a chance in tonight's game because, man, their back is against the wall. I thought that they were going to go to Miami. I thought they were going to be in Miami for the last two games and at least win one of them, and Denver went in there and got both, and that was really a shock to me, but clearly wasn't a shock to the Nuggets. They knew what they had to do, and they went out there, and they did it really well. So now they return home, and it feels like it's going to get wrapped up tonight, but... We will see. Miami will have something to say about that. And now joining us on the phone lines, as promised, is Mo DeKeel. And Mo, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. And in your last episode of One Mo Thing, uh, you were focusing on how the Heat are running out of answers, trying to solve the Nuggets two-man game with Murray and Joker. And man, I just, how, how surprised are you that, that the Miami Heat weren't able to get one game in Miami when they returned to South Beach?
1: I was really surprised. I was shocked they got one game in Denver. I will. I always had this as a five-game series, but I thought Denver would win the first two in Denver. Uh, I was a bit surprised that Miami would pull off and be the only team so far in the play. Well, they're going to be the only team, period, to have beaten Denver at home. And I think the. Uh, I thought for sure after that one, I said, "Oh well, this might be a six-game series now," because I really think Miami will get one of these games. So I was really shocked by that one. What
2: is your thoughts on what's how they're going to come out tonight? Like, are, Do you expect extra energy since their backs are against the wall? This is do or die.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would expect the same amount of energy that they put in in game four. You know, they, it wasn't a matter of – he'd have been playing hard in all of these games. I don't yeah. think this has been an energy issue for them. It's a, hey, Denver's really good mm-hmm. issue. <laughs> right. You know, they just have – they have more size. They have more talent. They have more guys that know exactly what they need to be doing, how to do it. And just quite simply, they also have the best player on the planet. No offense to Jimmy Butler, but Jokic, you know, for as much as everybody, you know, there's a segment of this population that wants to not really validate him, kind of got to just acknowledge this just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah,
2: he is, and he does it, and it's almost like it's effortless the way that he does it. I did want to ask you about the Miami Heat and their role players. I mean, they, they were the ones that we were talking about for the longest because of Heat culture, and, you know, you got a guy from the G League, you got an undrafted guy, and all of a sudden they're, they're able to be coached up and really play well. They just haven't done it the last couple of games. Are, is there something going on with them, or did Denver figure them out, or are they just missing shots? I
1: think it's a combination of just missing shots. Denver's figured the out better. Um, I think the situation of hey, finally caught up to us. We're not, we're, we've been playing kind of a little bit over our heads, and 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 probably had the best run we've ever had in over a six-week span. And I think it's finally kind of coming down to earth here a little bit now that they're faced with teams that are really genuinely there. Look, here's the thing: Giannis is now – You know. Just hurt in game one, never, never really right after that, and then they play the Knicks, and then they play the Celtics. These are teams that I wouldn't, that I actually was like, hey, the Heat can beat those. After they beat Milwaukee, so the Heat can beat these teams. I never had an idea in my mind that they could beat Denver. I just knew Denver was too good. So it's what, the role players not showing up or whatnot. I feel like sometimes it might be just losing the fact of the matter is, and I know I'm a broken record. Denver's really good. We've been, we people've been picking the Lakers over them. You know, right. the Lakers were an 11 seed, not even in the playing tournament at that point. Like it's just more, just like, hey, Denver's really good, folks.
2: Yeah, they really are, and I think everyone's aware of it now. Again, we're talking all things NBA Finals with Mo Daquil here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So speaking about Denver, Coach Malone, what is it about him? We talk about Eric Spoelstra being one of the best coaches in the league. What is it about that Coach Malone has been able to do really keeping his guys engaged? Outside of game number two, he's had those guys locked in, ready to go.
1: Well, one, he's not afraid coach them, And what I mean by that is, hey, you're not doing your job. I'm putting you on the bench. You know, and, and mm-hmm. just look at the, the last series in the Western Conference Finals. There's a game where Aaron Gordon's not making shots, and he's an important, important piece for this team. Well, guess what? He ended up being benched in the fourth quarter. They they went on to win the game. And that's cool. The guys all roll with it, and everybody rocks with him because he's going to make sure the right guys are playing. And I think the guys just have that understanding with him. You know, he's a coach that – listen, he got along with Boogie Cousins when nobody else could. Right. That's yeah. a lot, yeah. you know, and I think that's just one of those things. Of that He's just the kind of guy that finds a way to relate to these guys. He's a hard-nosed coach. He's, you, you hear him in the timeouts, yelling at guys and things like that, but he, it feels like the guys respond to him, and I think that's one of the things there. X of the nose, I think he's he, he's excellent.
2: Right. He does a great job. He really does. And he had 27 points and came four from Aaron Gordon. Uh, when he hits a couple early three pointers, is it, is it almost lights out? Like you can't stop this team because you know what Joker and you know what Murray are going to do. But Aaron Gordon hitting a couple early threes that obviously led to 27 points. It looked like to me that was lights, that was like the writing on the wall for me.
1: Yeah, that's, that's never a good thing. When the game plan is, hey, we're going to let this guy shoot, and then the guy hits a couple of threes. Right. Because then you're just like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Now we got to figure out what we're going to do here. Like, how, how. it's going to stretch everybody out, and that opens up more opportunities for, for basically other guys to kind of step up. And I think that's sort of the 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 situation. And, and that's a rarity. He's not a good shooter. So I, right. I won't even be surprised tonight if you're like, we'll see if he can do it tonight. And I think they'll probably lay off of him a little bit tonight, and we'll see how he handles that.
2: Moda Kills, our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, talking all things NBA Finals. How about, how about Murray? Murray, I mean, the last four games, the four games of the Finals, he's had double digits assist, and last game uh, 12 assists and no turnovers. When did he become such a great facilitator?
1: I think that's something that's been coming for a while, and I think something that they've needed him to develop. You know, it's, it can't just all be Jokic. And um, as great as Jokic is, they needed that second ball handler and creator. And I feel like this is something that's slowly been working on for him. You know, if you go through Game Three, a lot of his assists in Game Three were all to Jokic. Yeah. Um. And, and and I feel like in Game Four he, he he diversified it a little bit. You know, he hit Michael Porter Jr. on a cut. He hit uh, KCP on a. a, a th- Three, uh, excuse me, Bruce Brown. Well, it's probably KCP too. KCP hit a couple of them, right. uh, and I think they have a bunch of different things. I think it's just more the diversification of his game, knowing that hey, when they're going to double me and put two guys on me, I got to get off the ball. And he's done a phenomenal job. That's what one of the things I showed in my one more thing of stretching the defense out and creating opportunities for those guys. Like this has been a, a big, big leap for the, the the Nuggets with his improvement in that regard.
2: You mentioned Bruce Brown. What about Christian Brown there? They got the same last name spelled differently, but Christian Brown has been a hell of a contributor defensively and it's all of a sudden led to really uh, easy buckets as well.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he just brings instant energy off the bench. He's going to move. He's not going to stay in the same place. He's not going to just space to the corner. He's going to constantly be moving around. He's going to make all the hustle plays and all the small plays. And it's a great piece to have on a night when, hey, man, Michael Porter Jr. is just not doing the stuff we need him to do tonight. He's not making shots. He's not hustling or whatnot. Cool, we're going to put Christian Brown in, and he's going to figure it out from there and bring that juice. And I think those are the kind of key things there. Like, again, this is a very deep team. We don't really talk about it that way, but this is a really deep team in the sense of every time they bring in, got four, three, four guys off the bench, they can all contribute.
2: Yeah, they can. It's been fun to watch. And I think, Mo, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like that this has been entertaining for casual basketball fans that may not have realized how good Denver was to know that, oh, that team that we don't see on TV very often is really stinking good.
1: Yeah, it's a team we should probably put on TV a little more often. Yes. Denver. Uh, yes. You know, I think that's an important aspect of it. But I think, yeah, like, just this has been fairly entertaining. It's, you know, there, there have not been a lot of – these games have been relatively close in the first half, and it sometimes never pulls away. But, you know, it's it, it's been entertaining. The basketball is exciting to watch. It's not just isolation, isolation, isolation. Listen, every time Jokic has the ball, you're expecting something magical. Right. And the funny thing is, he delivers five or six times a game. That's kind of absurd. You know, I think there's a lot of fun, exciting things to, to watch for from this Denver team. And I really hope... The casual fans kind of get this understanding and start getting a little more curious. Of, you know, you you look at a guy like Jokic, big ogre looking, doughy kind kind of like guy, and he's doing some of the most amazing things on the court. I, I would hope casual fans would would start to get excited for him in the way we got excited for for Steph, who's did, did things completely differently but also not the same body type we're used to watching all the time.
2: Yeah, that was fun. I, I remember when Steph really started to, to break into the scene and people started to realize how good Steph Curry was, and uh, he just looks different when he does it. And Joker definitely looks way different when he does it, but, man, he's fantastic inside, outside. doesn't really matter. He makes the right play. Like, to me, he just never he never panics. He always just makes the right basketball decision, and it always seems to work out really well for Denver.
1: Every time. And I think that's kind of the most important thing for this Denver team. You know, when I, when, if I had to kind of just sort of think about them, I would just say they're always poised. They're never panicking. They're never – even that game they lost in game two, they were down double digits, you know, with, with a few minutes left, and they make a massive run.
3: Right. It's because they don't
1: panic. It's because they just continue to do what they do, continue to work, try to make the plays that they need to make, try to make the right plays. And from there, everything works out for them. And I think that's kind of the key component for this team is they just don't panic.
2: They don't. They never let them see you sweat at all. They go out there and they handle their business. Well, Mo, as we wrap up, what's the gut feeling for Game 5? How do you think this is going to shake out? Do we get a special performance from uh, Jokic and uh, Murray tonight again?
1: Yeah, I think just the pure fact that this is the Nuggets' first chance to ever win an NBA championship and they're in Denver – I don't think these guys are going to let it go, and I think we're going to get a pretty epic performance from them. I still think Miami's going to give them a good fight, but I think Denver will end up winning. I'd, I'd go probably by six or more.
2: All right, there it is. Uh, Denver sounds like they're going to get things wrapped up this evening. We'll obviously be paying attention. Mo, uh, you're going to be doing the live the live streaming during the game. What are you doing?
1: Yes, I got a lot going on. We're doing a pregame show starting a half hour before on playback.tv slash nerder, nice. uh, and then we're doing afterwards. I'm after the game. I'm going to be on two different post-game shows: one for the Athletic and one for the Levitard show. So, nice—you'll you know, find me somewhere.
2: There you go. Staying busy. I can appreciate that as a man that stays busy myself. Mo, great stuff as always. Thanks for joining us throughout the finals and the playoffs. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There he goes. Mo Keel, uh like you said, staying busy, doing a lot of different uh, broadcasts throughout the course of the game, before the game, after the game, and that's exactly how you do it. I feel like I'll be doing a little post-game show as well. I'll be on with uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Well, Freddie Coleman. I will be. I guess I'll be Fitzsimmons tonight. <laughs> so I'll be on Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio this evening uh, doing a little post-game Post game uh, wrap up show, and so we'll see if we're talking about uh, a Denver championship or we're talking about well, what's it going to look like in Game Six as they head back to South Beach? That'll obviously happen after the game is over this evening. Four thirteen is the time we'll come back, get to your calls, and get to your texts. Talking about Josh Jacobs and the contract. Also, want to get back into the story of Ari and his flight problems. We'll tell you about that if you're just tuning in. We got all that on the way. It's Raider Nation Radio nine
1: twenty. <laughs> Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
2: Coming up at 4.30, Ted Wynn from The Athletic. We'll talk all things running backs. We'll talk Dalvin Cook. Talk Josh Jacobs. System versus player. How teams look at it right now in the NFL. We talk about the running backs. we were talking about the running backs in, in great detail on today's show, uh, really since Josh Jacobs is still holding on to the franchise tag, has not signed it yet. We heard Saquon Barkley over the weekend uh, at his camp talk about the franchise tag and how he doesn't like it. He's not reporting to mandatory minicamp. But, again, uh, he doesn't have his contract signed, so he's not going to get signed or he's not going to get fined or anything because, again, he's not technically under contract, so he doesn't have to worry about mandatory minicamp. But at some point, uh, these players want to get their deals done. You know, and if they don't get it done by July 17th, then it's going to either be the one year they're going to play it, they're going to sign it and play on the one-year $10.1 million, or they're not going to play. Those are really the only two options that they have, and I don't see any of these guys uh, holding out and not playing at all. Uh, I saw a suggestion from Mike Florio uh, that maybe these guys, uh, the teams, will rescind their, their uh, franchise tag that they're holding right now and decide, hey, you know, it's, free agency is over for the most part. If we take the tag back, there's not going to be a team that's going to uh, sign up to a fat deal. Uh, I think that that would be silly. I've seen it happen. We have seen it happen before uh, in the league, but I think a guy like Josh Jacobs or a guy like Saquon Barkley, if you take that franchise tag off him, I'm sure some team's going to run up and try to to sign him immediately. But right now, if a team were to try to sign Josh Jacobs with the franchise tag, it'd be a couple first-round picks that they'd have to give up. But that's also been negotiated before. Teams can negotiate that so it's not necessarily two first-round picks. They can say, okay, we're going to give you this player and a pick, or we're going to do this, give you a first-round pick and say a second-round pick. They've they've negotiated the franchise tag as well at times, just similar to, to Devontae Adams. When Devontae Adams was with the Green Bay Packers, he had the franchise tag. And then the Raiders agreed to a deal, and they gave up the first and second-round picks. They didn't have to give up two firsts. So that could always be negotiated as well, but I don't think that that's the conversation that we're having right now. I believe that the Raiders are going to try to get him signed to a long-term deal. Uh, I believe he wants to get that long-term deal done. Uh, It's just are are they going to come to an agreement when it comes to money and how many years, how much guaranteed money. That's the real big question. So we actually been throwing it out there. What do you think a realistic contract should look like for Josh Jacobs? Uh, how many years? Kind of the structure. Uh, if you want to throw the guaranteed money into it, you can. That's all good. But just let us know those thoughts. Remember, Josh Jacobs is only 25, where opposed to Dalvin Cook, who just was released by the Minnesota Vikings, who's currently 28 years old. So a little bit less wear and tear on Josh Jacobs. So I feel like he's got a good probably three years left before you start to see that decline. I think that every every running back starts to hit that decline if they're a workhorse around that 28 years old. At least that's what the NFL looks like, uh, they believe. And, again, we'll talk to Ted Wynn from The Athletic coming up at 4.30. You're also here from Durango High School head football coach Robert Cuts a little bit after that, maybe around 4.45. Uh, you'll hear from him as he was at the champ camp over the weekend. Just uh, You'll hear his thoughts and, and what it meant to his his players from Durango High School to be out there on Saturday. But, again, Want to hear from you, 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Um, Vegas Pete responded, why I said Jacobs is getting bad advice is the NFL running backs are a dime a dozen. The Raiders drafted his replacement in Zeus. Only have $3.3 million in cap left. Playing hardball, refusing to sign a contract is a bad stance, in my opinion. Sign it and ask to negotiate a long-term deal, or the team may move on without him. That's Vegas Pete. And, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the conversation. You know, should he sign the deal? Go to camp you – know, well, not camp because it's not camp yet, but, I mean, they have OTAs this week. It's not mandatory. But sign the deal and try to negotiate – that I mean that's 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 part of the argument like that's that's how it gets done, but as he mentioned to someone on Twitter over the weekend that's that's not how it, it really works. He doesn't believe that it works like that, so that's why he hasn't signed his tag yet and that's why he's not at camp that's why he's not at oTAs because he wants to make sure that they get that deal done. but the thing about it is the closer to that July seventeenth date the more that it'll be Okay, now there's a sense of urgency. Like right now, June 12th, there's no sense of urgency. When it gets close to July 1st, then all of a sudden you'll, you'll see it start to ramp up. If it takes that long, you'll start to see it ramp up. Then that's when decisions will have to be made. So thanks so much, Vegas Pete. I do appreciate that text. Good stuff. It's great to hear from you. Uh, also, got a text from the 914. Maybe too rough with describing Uh. any uh, duh, 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 Maybe too rough with describing it as dehumanized. Oh, yeah, okay, we're talking about the running backs. I get it. But when do the running backs make a stand? The most exciting play last year was Jacobs taking it to the house against Seattle. He was electric. Sign him and lighten his load so he can last. O'Connell and White starting week one in Denver is not what Raider Nation is looking forward to. 90 days until kickoff. Any word on Jerron Har- Harmon? Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. That's a text from the 914. Uh, no. No word on Jaron Harmon yet. I don't think that the Raiders are planning on signing any veterans right now. I think they're going to see what they have in in their players when they get to training camp, and then if they, you know, if they feel like okay, we need to upgrade at this certain position, then that's when they'll go and uh, and make a move. You know, I, I just think that that's that's the realistic point of view. Uh, you look at the players that they have, the rookies that they brought in, uh, the second-year guys. I mean, like, look, you got Trayvon Merrigan in year three. Chris Smith is a rookie out of Georgia who they like a lot. You know, they're probably going to see, all right, what do we have? Marcus Epps they brought in as a free agent. I want to see what they have in those certain positions before they say, okay, look, this needs to be, this needs to be addressed, right? We, we, we need to have uh, Jerron Harmon back there, and Jerron Harmon is not a guy that needs to be out there at OTAs. He's not a guy that needs to be out there at mandatory minicamp. He's a guy that's going to be in shape. They know he's going to know what, exactly what he's supposed to do. Uh, and as long as he's there for the majority of training camp, if they decide to go in that direction, they'll believe that he'll be fine. Again, he's a veteran. He's been around the league for quite a while. Uh, definitely believe that he'll be ready to go uh, if and when they pick up the phone and call him. So don't think about that. Um, and, yeah, going back to the text about um, the Raiders drafted a replacement in, in Zeus when it comes to Josh Jacobs, that's what they did. I mean, everyone knew it when they, drafted, when they drafted him in the fourth round and then doubled down and drafted another running back in, in the seventh round. You knew that that basically was the replacements. But Josh McDaniels, to his credit, he even said that he thought that he was going to do running back like committee. Like that's exactly what he expected last year. And it didn't happen like that. Josh got on the field and didn't come off, right? And he just ran his tail off. Again, 340 carries on the season. That's a lot. And then you had another 50-something touches when it comes to, to catches. That's almost 400 touches, and then on top of that, he's blocking, and he's getting drilled by you know all these different guys trying to get him down when he's carrying the ball. So I mean, that running back position is tough. It's tough to be that guy and 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 get all that contact and and touch the ball. You know, the second most outside of the outside of the quarterback. I guess the center too. I guess the center and the quarterback. I guess they uh, they both touch the ball the, the same. And then and then you got the the running back after that. But man, it's 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 massive. Right? I mean, you talk about Josh and his three hundred and forty carries. I think Devontae Adams had 180 targets last year. That's it. 180 targets. And that's a lot of targets. Don't get me wrong. But if you compare it to 340 touches, that's that's a big difference. So think about all the times that Devontae Adams got hit and you know, all the contact that, that he had to deal with. And he's out there blocking as well, so there's that, that element to it, but that's a big difference between the touches that Jacobs had and the targets that that uh that Devontae Adams had in 2022 so definitely uh appreciate that feedback also mailman raider hit us up at 69187 keyword R. he said at ari what is it like being able to talk to a lobster laughing my ass off that's from a uh, mailman raider and i'm assuming because i don't know i'm assuming that's going back to that uh that little mermaid conversation
3: one of the one of the more creative ones i've heard over the last like three decades so good job
2: is that is that is that Dude, a little? I've mer- heard every single joke. Is that a Little of, Mermaid
3: reference, though? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like, uh, I don't the, know. Yeah, like, like I
2: know. I don't. I don't think I watched Little Mermaid
3: as a kid. Or, I, I wasn't mean, a kid when Little Mermaid was out, Ari. Oh, you old. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the uh, what is it? It's when I've like shut. I've shut a lot of this out of my mind, like just to not you know, it was a traumatic uh, experience as a child. Uh, it's the uh, the when
2: what was is, Little Mermaid made? The lobster. He's There's
3: flounder. I know that, and then the other one that he's that the. Texture referring to. Which yeah, two thousand
2: Little Mer. Oh no, it's Little Mermaid two. When was two
3: th- When was Little Mermaid made? Uh, it's got to be in like the late. Well, the it, was late, the 80s. late 80s. it was not the Early late eighties. It was not the late eighties. nineties. it was
2: not in the nineties. Right, well, no
3: way. I'll look it up on the break. So yeah, look can, it up so you now. Guys can tra- be more I'm accurate. I'm with trying your, to see it right uh, now. It's about me.
2: <laughs> I keep well. It's because they have the new one out. So now they're talking about it in two thousand twenty-three. Two thousand is not two thousand. Oh, I don't know when it. Dang it. Why is this so difficult? <laughs> Hold on, I'm loving this. Are you really? I'm, I'm loving not, the cause, difficulty. Because I can't. I'm yeah, because
3: I can't find it. All the all I keep getting is uh, 1989. Was it really? Yeah, and Sebastian, I believe, is who he's referring to. If I'm was honest. it really 89? Yeah, man, we old. Dang, <laughs> we.
2: No Olders. way. I was young then. I so, was still, uh, I was still up, a
3: young dude. Come up with some better material. Oh, dang. <laughs> Shots really fired at Mailman Raider. No, I got your back, Mailman. A, I thought that was funny. I no, thought that, that was a good one. That was actually solid. Because some of the stuff just gets, you know, it's like I've heard this like 20,000 times. So right. Well, well there better.
2: you go. I, I've never heard it, so I'm going to roll with mm-hmm. it. But uh, there you go. I guess Little Mermaid <laughs> in 1989. Thanks, I was man. not aware. Ted Wynn from The Athletic. He did not come out in 1989. He's coming up next to talk all things running backs here on Raider Nation Radio, 920
1: now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio
2: spent the majority of the show today talking about running backs in general in the NFL obviously it's- Paying a lot of attention to Josh Jacobs and what's going on with him as he's currently holding the franchise tag. Saquon Barkley currently holding the franchise tag in the NFL as well. And Dalvin Cook, who was released by the Minnesota Vikings, as he was in, what, year three of a five-year deal that they had signed. He is now out and looking for a new job. Joining us now on the phone lines to talk about the running back's position is Ted Wynn from The Athletic at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. And, Ted, thanks so much for your time. I was checking out your piece in The Athletic. Is Dalvin Cook cooked? Here's what the advanced metrics say about the ex-Viking, and before we get into just Dalvin Cook and, and if he's cooked or if he still has a lot left in the tank, is it something about that year 28, that age 28, when it comes to running backs, that that's just where they start to start to decline in, in production?
4: Yeah, and I, I think um, around that, you know, I think 27 is a little early, but I would say you know definitely when you get to 28, 29 that's when you start seeing running backs decline. And that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult paying, um, you know, a, a, a huge contract to running backs. And, you know, it, it does stink for running backs because, um, there are a lot of good running backs and the market is just not where they expect it to be right now. Um, but I mean, it, it's just a hard position to get paid at because there's so many replacement level running backs. Like you might not be able to get that elite production, um, But you could get pretty good production for cheap, which is why even when you have an elite running back, teams are hesitant to pay them.
2: Does it feel like the days of Todd Gurley getting the big deal, Zeke Elliott getting the big deal, Christian McCaffrey, does it feel like those days are are, are definitely behind us when it comes to running backs in general? Or is there a special running back that may be able to get one of those big deals still?
4: I think we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see. A deal here and there for for a running back that's pretty good. I just don't know we're going to see those monster number again numbers again for running backs. Just because we've seen over and over again that you know teams that give big contracts to running backs and end up regretting it. And you know we're talking about Dalvin Cook. Yep. Um, he, he's only two years into uh, I believe it was a five year extension, and they they already cut bait. So um, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's a very low percentage of running backs on second contracts to end up um, kind of filling that contract or living up to that contract. The number is tiny.
2: Yeah, I know it is. And it's funny, I was talking about Zeke Elliott earlier. I just never thought there'd be a time when Zeke Elliott would be out on the open market just thinking about his name. But here we are. And like you mentioned, Dalvin Cook, he's out there on the open market. And, Ted, I was looking at the numbers. The last four years, I was looking at Josh Jacobs' numbers and Dalvin Cook's. They're very similar. It's very close. Dalvin uh, Dalvin Cook has a little bit more yardage than Jacobs, but pretty much they've been the same back on paper and as far as the numbers go over the last four years. What have you seen from Cook, and where is he at right now at age twenty
4: eight? Yeah, there are some similarities uh, with Cook, but I, you know I think also Josh Jacobs and, and Cook had pretty bad running run blocking for for a while now. Um, Obviously, last but last year it was, it was much different. Last year. Uh, I, I thought the Vikings line was one of the better run blocking units in the league, and um, he rushed for over a thousand yards. But as I discussed in an the article, there's a bunch of advanced metrics that kind of show that he's been slowing down, and this has been a trend now for a couple years, which is I think one of the factors why the Vikings uh, released him, the Vikings general manager that has an analytics background. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking at. Uh, metrics like rushing yards over expected, which measures rushing yards that uh, a ball carrier is expected to gain on a carry based on the location and speed of blockers and defenders and a running back. So it takes all those things into account. It, it comes up with a model for um, rushing yards that ex- expected, and rushing yards over expected is a measurement that, you know, is getting a little bit more popularity around the league. Uh, how much more rushing yards are you getting, you know, than what what is expected of you based on the blocking, um, so for that, Dalvin Cook ranked 42nd out of, um, I mean, he ranked 55th out of 69 eligible runners, which is pretty low, rushing explosiveness, the percentile score, the measure the player to explosive runs. So basically, if you get 10 yards over expected yards, that's what counts the explosive runs in this telemetry score. And uh, he ranked, um, he ranked. He ranked 41st out of 69 runners in this metric. So that means Mm. that uh, that he left a lot of yards on the field. And, um, you know, in 2020, he ranked – in 2021, he ranked 4th out of 77. So it's a big
2: drop-off. Wow, that is is big. Wow.
4: Yeah. (laughs) And rushing elusiveness measures uh, factors like yards after contact and how many yards you break. Uh, so he ranks 28th out of 70 in this metric, which isn't terrible, but it's you know, not a $14 million per year uh, type of um, production when you, you talk about rushing, but looseness. And play speed is a percentile score by telemetry that kind of measures speed, acceleration, and change of direction. And um, Cook ranked 30th out of 64, so that's pretty low. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think this is an all-encompassing metric, but just looking at it throughout the years, he just slowly kind of dropped throughout the rankings. In 2020, he ranked 12th out of 69 in this metric. So he dropped it 30th this year. And I think some of that has to do with injuries. He's had a lot of he – he hasn't missed a ton of games, but like Jacob, he's had nagging injuries. Like he um, had a sh- uh, ankle injury last year that he re-injured during the season. And then last year he uh, had a dislocated shoulder. And then the year before that – he had a dislocated shoulder. I mean, a shoulder injury as well. So I think some of those injuries might be wearing on on him. I think if he's healthy, I think his play speed might be up. You know, might get it back up there because you know he is a fast, quick running back. Um, but you know, I, I think when you look at all these signs that are showing decline, um, I, I think that's why the Vikings decided to cut him. I, I still think he could be productive in the right situation. Um, but I just think the Vikings looked at his decline. They looked at how much money he's making. They'd rather cut him a little too early than too late.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of teams do, rather cut someone early, uh, let them move on early than, than cut them late. Again, we're talking with Ted Wynn from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So a lot of times, Ted, we talk about scheme versus the players. When you're looking at some of these metrics, and, and, and let's just say the Vikings, for instance, do they believe with their advanced blocking skills and their offensive line, the way that it's playing, that I don't want to say any running back can get the production that Dalvin Cook was getting, but they feel like it's he's more easily replaceable because of what they're doing as as opposed to what he's doing?
4: I think that's a, that factor does come into play. And, and like I said, you know, like Matt, Madison, their backup running back, is not just as good as Dalvin Cook. And I think they know that. Right. But they think that Madison could probably get to a level that's close to Cook at a much, much cheaper price range, which is um, you know one of the primary reasons why running backs don't get paid, because there are replacement-level running backs that can get – good production they might not get elite production but at a much cheaper cost
2: so when you look at a running back like josh jacobs who's only 25 years old coming off obviously a great season in 2022 where he led the league in rushing uh what do you think would be reasonable or realistic for a contract for jj Uh,
4: you know i i think you know you could probably put together a two-year deal of third-year option for josh jacobs that pays them uh, near the top of the market, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if he wants a market resetting deal. Because, mm-hmm. Like I said, when you have those market resetting deals, almost every team that's put together a, a deal like that ends up regretting it. So, you know, I, I think if you, if you pay him near the top of the market, about a two, a uh, two to three year, two to year deal with third year option, that way he could hit the market again at 27, 28. And, you know, I, I think he has a better chance of sustaining uh more than Dalvin Cook did at, at age 27. I think he's a bigger back that um, doesn't really rely on speed. His, his play speed is actually, like, really low, and it, it's always been really low uh, throughout his career, but he's still little bit productive despite it. So I, I don't think he will lose much athleticism as, as he gets a little bit older. So I, I think with a guy like Jacobs, um, you know, you, you can't pay him to just – it's just like it's a tricky balance. Like for all the factors you mentioned with paying running backs, and
2: how much do you, how much value does a team put on the leadership factor, the blocking ability, the catching ability? You know what I mean? Like how, how much how much can they put on on maybe some of the intangibles that you don't necessarily see on paper?
4: Well, I would say with catching ability, that's a big factor when it comes yeah. to paying running backs because the passing game is such a huge part. Of, uh, of how teams play now that, you know, you, you need to have that running back and catch. And there's all, all sorts of ways you could scheme running back into the passing game. We, we see what Christian McCaffrey is doing, uh, with the Niners. So if you can make a big impact as a pass catcher, then I think that adds to your value. And I think Josh Jacobs has that ability, but we haven't really seen it, um, you know, weaponized consistently. Yeah, so I think he has that ability, but he just has you know numbers aren't there qu- quite yet to say he he can be one of those top Equion receiving backs. And as far as um, the intangibles, that that that's that's tougher. Right. I think when you have a guy that you know with such consistent force on your team, uh, one of the better performers on your your team, it, it's hard not to pay him because it does send a message to the rest of. Your team, like you know, it, you you play well, you, you play well, and you, not, you don't you don't get rewarded. That's a pretty tough message to send to the team. But at the same time, you know, if you're you're wasting cap space and you're you're making that you're allocating resources in the wrong place, that's also a, a, a bad precedence too. But I, I do believe that the human factor does come into play um, here, and you know, which is why it, it's so, so tr- tricky to be a GM in an NFL. Ted Wynn is our guest from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920
2: Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. As far as a guy like B. John Robinson goes, I mean, he's a guy that coming into the league, everyone said he's very Christian McCaffrey-like. If he ends up being like Christian McCaffrey, and obviously he hasn't played a down yet, but if he ends up being like that guy, do you see him as a dude that could possibly, you know, kind of reset that market and get those those kind of numbers like, like Christian McCaffrey got?
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. It's definitely possible. I mean, the, the Falcons were high enough on him to draft him um, in a, in the top ten, which is uh, the first time right for, uh, running back in the draft in the top ten in a long time. I, I think we had a couple of years of running back to to get drafted in the first round. So, right. you know, that says a lot about what the – you know, every organization is different. Every GM is different. How they uh, value different positions are, are different. and And the Falcons are definitely – a run first team. You know, they run at a higher rate than anybody in the league. So it kind of makes sense for them to value the running back position so high. But um, you know, we'll see. I I think, you know, there's so much hype around Bijan. Yeah. And if he lives up to the hype, you know, you're not you're you're he's gonna obviously demand a, a pretty high contract and you're not gonna let him go. So um it it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens when it comes to that time. But right now they have a really good running back on a rookie deal. So yeah, um, we'll see how that plays out.
2: Right, exactly. See how much they use them, and to see if they burn him out by the time his rookie deal is wrapped up. Final question for you: Let's go back to Dalvin Cook real quick. Um, what kind of market do you think he's going to have? I- I've heard Miami, possibly Denver, but how many teams do you think like genuinely have big interest in Dalvin Cook? Uh,
4: I I don't think the, you know I I don't think there's huge interest in Dalvin Cook because there's reports saying that he's not going to take a discount and he wants to get paid close to the contract. That he, he had with the Vikings. I don't, I don't think he wants to get paid the same amount, but I think he wants to get you know somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. But you know, obviously, if teams valued him at that as, you know at that number at figure, then teams would have been interested in making a trade. But it just seems like, based on everything we've heard, that no one was close to making a trade for for Dalvin Cook. So you know, I, I think he, he's going to learn that you know he, he might not get the type of money he got with the Vikings and. He might have to take a you know $6 million seven dollar million dollar deal. I think even that is pretty good for uh, for what Dalvin could get at the market at at you know this time. It's not like every team is, you know has a ton of cap space to work with right now. Right. So you know I, I think realistically I, I could see a one two year deal for uh, five six million dollars per year. I think seven million is probably on a higher range.
2: All right, well, there it is right there. Dalvin Cook. Is Dalvin Cook cooked? Here's what the advanced metrics say about the ex-Viking. That's Ted's piece that he put out on The Athletic. Definitely check that out. Ted, thanks so much, man. What are you working on that uh, we should be on the lookout for?
4: Oh, well, I'm starting an article about Justin Fields and um, what he needs to improve on to take the next step of the
2: passer right now. So that should be out next week. All right, well, we'll definitely be checking in with that as well. Ted, thanks so much for your time, my man. Definitely appreciate you.
4: No problem. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There he goes. Ted Wynn from The Athletic on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. And here with us on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And, yeah, just spent a lot of time over the weekend uh, reading different articles on running backs and just talking about the value or the devalue of them. And it's just – it's rough out there. It really is. I mean, it's it's bad when, you know, we talk about the devalue and then we try to talk about also a $10 million franchise tag. I mean, $10 million is still good, but when you look at the rest of the landscape of the NFL and you see how much these guys are making – and all the guaranteed money that they're getting, and all the signing bonuses that they're getting, and then you ask a running back who really is busting his tail off, uh, you know, to take a, a, a slight, a, not a pay cut, but you know, not not take as much money as the next guy because, well, you know, uh, we can get another guy to replace you. It's a it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow if you are a member of uh, the the running back fraternity. So uh, many thanks to Ted for joining us, and giving us a few minutes. Ari, I got to ask you, uh, what is our giveaway today? You just gave me the notice that we have a, a giveaway to do. So what do we need to do? Let's make that happen.
3: Uh, let's see. Give me caller seven, and it's a two. Caller t- nine. Let's do caller nine. Caller nine. nine. Yeah. You're yes. Right. It's I'm, it's, I'm, it's, Ra- it's Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. So let's yeah, just make right. it I'm, make uh, it caller nine. Yeah, I'm forgetful for my ESPN days just there a you week go. ago. Uh, two tickets good for all three nights to so the Power Trip Live, October Ooh. 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's a big show. Power <laughs> Trip. Tell me all the uh, tell oh. me all the artists that are going to be there again. Friday night. I mean, this isn't even scratching the surface. I think there's a whole lot more. But Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden on Friday, ACDC, Ozzy Osbourne Saturday, and nice. Metallica and Tool on Sunday night. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio.
2: So, what I've learned today, not only have I learned a lot about the running back position, not only have I learned that Ari got teased like Little Mermaid. With his name when he was growing up, but I also learned that Ari doesn't know how our phone system works here in Radio Nation Radio 920, Sorry, and is having a everyone. having a little bit of a difficult time as he's trying to get caller number nine to get these uh, these tickets, these Great Father's Day hookup that we're we're trying to give away here to this awesome event with all these different shows. It's so funny our phone is like trying to launch a rocket. I don't understand why it's so. It takes so many details to be able to work our phone. But for some reason, the phone is very tricky in Raider Nation Radio 920. And so Ari's doing a fantastic job, so just bear with him. But, yeah, it's like he had to put a math problem in. He had to give up his Social Security. He had to do all kind of stuff to try to get it done. And, uh, yeah, so uh, if we don't give the tickets away today, we'll give uh, multiple pairs of them out tomorrow. <laughs> so,
3: Ari, I got to ask, man, so, so what's going on? So what's, what's the deal? You tell me what's the deal with the phone. Uh, The lines are lit up. I did my uh, patented, sorry, try again for like eight callers. And then caller nine, I pick up and it's, I I really not to, I'll just share this. Like, I'm very sure that the person on the other end could hear me and was like, ooh, I won, but I have got nothing. And then (laughs) that happened about three more times since then. Feeling real dumb. I'm not laughing
2: at you. I'm laughing with you, even though you're not laughing. Even though you're not
3: laughing. I'll just turn this into something funny. We all know if if you listen, last time I was on this show several months ago, I was uh, pretty (laughs) rocky with the phones to start with. Yeah, that's true. That isn't this, though. I have not hung up on any of our guests or our callers. That's just, true. Of course, the one time, so I don't Half the battle. You, you, it's, it's so funny. Ari, Ari is the
2: one who reminded me that we had tickets to give away. Yeah, like I, He wanted to make a big He was like, hey, I got to make sure uh, we do this. And I almost forgot, so credit to him for remembering. And then when we asked for call number nine, all of a sudden the phones go away and they're not working correctly, even though they've worked all day, including, right. including when we were talking to Ted right before we asked for call number nine.
3: Yep. So – not for nothing. The I'm trying, folks. No, I apologize. So we might. Uh, I'm going to give it another couple shots. But uh, if you're listening, just I guess we'll probably double up tomorrow.
2: Well, there you go. That's that's how it goes down sometimes. Well, we'll before before we get out of here, I did want to uh, let you hear from Durango High School head coach Robert Cuts. He was at the the Champ Camp on Saturday at the Internet Mountain Healthcare Performance Center, and I had a chance to catch up with him following
0: that practice.
2: So, Coach, we're out here at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. It's Champ Camp. Uh, how has this been for for your players and this experience that they're having right now?
0: Man, I got to tell you what, uh, the amount of excitement just when we were given this opportunity not even seeing the facility yet uh was palpable you could feel it and then when they got here their eyes were were huge you know um they saw it they can see it you know it's tangible it's here um you know sometimes we we watch the nfl on tv and and we realize that or we look at it like oh like that's unattainable whatever but now they're here they see it they're on the same fields they're in the same facility you know it's, it's something for them to strive for
2: so when the players got a chance to see the facility and get out here on the grass what was that like for them
0: well I'll tell you the first thing everybody did when we walked inside was look up right you know how high that ceiling is and and uh you know, they're asking a bunch of questions and just smiling ear to ear. Eyes as big as saucers, man. Uh, just because, it, like I said, it's real and it's here. You
2: know, it is. It really is. And the Raiders, ever since they've been here in the Las Vegas community, they've been making sure to take care of the community. How big is that, that they don't just play football here, but they take care of where they're playing?
0: Man, it's, it's enormous. You know, um, these kids, they're, they... They feel supported. They feel loved. You know, the Raiders are at everything. They're at high school football games every every week. They are a constant support to our coaches' association. Um, they're willing to do whatever you know, whatever it takes to to give us a little little leg up. You right. Know? Um, and you know, you know Jordan and Miles, those guys with with the youth football man. They they're a godsend
2: you know they made a real commitment to high school football with that wall inside of stadium with all the high school football helmets on that wall just what did that mean just as a high school coach
0: man it, it you know it just shows that we are valued here you know um for the longest time here in las vegas uh high school football was a second thought um, we were more of a baseball and basketball town yeah um but now we have we have a piece of the stadium that's our own right. you know and we can see that we're represented and we're there
2: and they are there in a major way again. Durango High School head coach Robert Cuts, and you could just hear from him that uh, you know his players were excited to be there on Saturday. He was ex- excited to be there. So well done by the Raiders. Well done by Assistant uh, GM Champ Kelly. putting that on the Champ Camp. And apparently uh, during that time when I was uh, when we were listening to Robert Cuts, apparently Ari g- came up with a winner. So uh, Wendell h- got hooked up, huh?
3: You know when you hit the phone really hard sometimes because you're annoyed. <laughs> Sometimes good things happen. So.
2: Oh, man, don't, don't say that too loud because uh, Jamie, our engineer, will think that you really did hit the phone really hard, and then he'll get angry. So uh, wink, wink, you were just kidding, yeah. even if you weren't.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, No, don't. it's still broken. I didn't hit anything. Then. Uh, <laughs> but
2: Wendell got hooked up. Yes.
3: That's all that matters. Telepathically, yes.
2: Wendell got <laughs> hooked up. He was called number nine. He's going to go to all three uh, days of that uh, music festival. That's awesome. It's a little early Father's Day hookup that we have on the radio station all week long. We're going to be giving out those tickets. Your next chance to get hooked up is with the Morning Tailgate, Clay Baker, Lindsey Brown, and Vinny Bonsignor. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, 2 o'clock, here on radio Nation Radio, 920. Have a great evening.